are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. There is a psychological term that is most often associated with traumatic events. But more recently, in the last several years, has become more of a pop cultural word that can be used to describe the times that we live in. The word is triggered. People are triggered. People are upset. Some have tried to say that the younger generations, millennials and Gen Z, are the cause. Hear the older saying amen to that. While others say it's the byproduct of the baby boomers, and I hear the millennials saying, well, maybe. Some blame mass media. Some blame social media. Some blame politics. Seems there are plenty of opinions to go around. Regardless of who you blame, it is hard not to notice the consistent, prevalent, and debilitating animosity and hatred in our culture. People are triggered. Everyone makes a judgment call on what is worth my rage. Having a cause, it seems, is a commodity of identity. I need to be mad about something. I need to have a cause. It's what makes me human. No sector of society gets a pass. Pick your hobby. Somebody's triggered. Pick your career, somebody's triggered. Pick your major in school, somebody's triggered. Pick the state you want to live in. Pick your religion. Rage is all the rage. Everywhere, people are boiling about something. They're just triggered. This morning, I would like to offer some thoughts on the subject, triggered. Some might say that Miles Garrett easy. Some might say that Miles Garrett, the Cleveland Browns defensive lineman, who this past Thursday during a game hit the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, rightfully so, uh, Mason Rudolph, on the head with Rudolph's own ripped-off helmet. They're saying that Miles Garrett was triggered. We, of course, know this action was clearly justified. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. 
But why so angry? Why such an egregious response when the game is finished in eight seconds? Equal to Garrett's triggered moment was the moment of people, literally millions, who responded within minutes with their own anger and the call for justice by the NFL or even the police. Trigger. I'm glad Sister Theron is back. Anybody glad Sister Theron's back? Now I got some help in here. Seemed like everybody was weighing in. It seemed like it mattered to a lot of people. It was like everyone was triggered all at once. And maybe they should have been. Please don't be triggered at me for saying that. When I considered this... I was reminded of a meteorologist I recently read about from Illinois who was taken off the air because it seemed he was too honest. Joe Crane, a meteorologist for WICS in Springfield, Illinois, spoke out about the overuse of the code red alert by the news station live on television while he is giving the code red alert. Kane criticized his station's initiative to implement code red days in their forecast. Meteorologists at his station and other affiliates were encouraged to declare code red or weather alert days. And Joe Crane did not see the point that not every day was a code red. Thank God for a meteorologist like that. Crane alleged he was forced into the practice by corporate management because they knew that the code red means I get more people's attention. The more attention we get, the more money we make from advertisements. And so he said during the broadcast, code red... This is during the broadcast. Code Red was created by likely a journalism school graduate. A lot of people not happy with this, are not happy with this since we've implemented it. That's evident by the thousands of comments on social media, letters to the editor, frequent calls to local radio shows. He said, this is a corporate initiative, the Red Alert Red, the code red alert, and behind the scenes, many of us have tried to dissuade it for the last few months to try something else that's less controversial to the viewers. Joe was fired. Jesus would tell the people as they sat on the side of a hill listening to him teach, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. In other words, watch out, watch out for triggered pigs. The question I want to consider is how did these pigs become so upset? First, let's consider the first part of the verse, the dogs. Don't give what is holy to dogs. 
In the Eastern culture of Jesus' day, dogs weren't like our dogs. They weren't viewed like our dogs as pets. They were, tend to be more wild in a nuisance and ate whatever scraps and garbage they could. The Bible references dogs on several occasions, not typically in a good sense. It returns to its vomit. Jesus called the Samaritan woman a dog. Dogs were wild and unclean. And so he said, don't give what is holy to the dogs. And don't cast your pearls before swine. Here, Bishop passes the second in my head with that word, swine. Pigs, while dogs had a bad reputation, pigs had an even worse reputation to a Jew. Here Jesus is speaking to the Jews, don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give what is holy to the dogs. The pig was an animal that was not only unclean, but it had a reputation for violence. There are a variety of angles to approach this passage. But today I want to offer this idea that I think we can consider We have to be careful of. Some would argue that this verse gives us permission to evaluate others and determine if we should interact with them or not. Anyone ever heard someone use this verse in the context of helping someone who is asking for money? Don't cast your pearl before swine. However, I would propose today that this verse may more accurately be considered when you look at the verse that immediately precedes this verse. Jesus said, hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs. Nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear them in pieces. When Jesus says, beware of the dogs and pigs, I believe he is not talking about us to beware of the people around us. I believe he's asking us to consider our own lives. That he is asking us to consider that part of us that is unholy and unrighteous. I think he is saying, don't let your carnal nature rule in your life. Don't give away what is holy to feed your flesh. Don't throw away what is valuable for the worthless pursuits of your carnal nature. So in Jesus, in essence, Jesus is calling them a dog and a pig. Thank you. I feel better. But what was Jesus really trying to say? Jesus is telling us that there are things that matter to God that should matter to us. Do not give what is holy. Holy matters to God. Nor cast your pearls before swine. These pearls were God's pearls. 
It should matter to us then that we are holy. It should matter that we are holy because God is holy. Now, we've spent the last three weeks, I'm going to finish it up this Wednesday, in Growth University on the pursuit of holiness. And if you haven't had a chance to come on a Wednesday night Growth University, I encourage you to come. If you're not able to attend, I encourage you to watch every series. I believe God is speaking us very specifically through this series. God is calling us to be holy. Holiness is not something that only God gets the designation of being holy. And I know it's kind of weird for us to think that somehow we can be holy. But God tells us to be holy for I am holy. That I'm going to impart to you a holiness. And you can actually be holy in your life. So holiness matters to God. 1 Peter chapter 1.13, therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust as in ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. When you were saved, when you surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ, when you repented of your sins, when you were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when his Holy Spirit came upon you, he intended for you to be a holy person. To live a life that is separate, that is set apart and consecrated to him. And so I believe Jesus is telling them, Don't let your carnal desires become the standard by which you live for God. Don't give what is holy to the dogs. Don't give that holy spirit to your carnal nature. A holy God invites us to be partakers of his holiness. And this invitation requires us to surrender our desires to his purpose. Jesus said, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Jesus didn't just mention dogs, but he says not to cast our pearls before the swine. I believe here Jesus is telling us that there are things that are precious Invaluable that can get lost. So much so that when our spiritual man wants to reach for it, our carnal man will literally attack it. Jesus uses this word picture of throwing pearls, something extremely valuable, into a pig pen, into the slop and the mud. So what does the pig do with this great valuable? A pig treats it like it's cornstalk. A pig treats it like dirt. A pig treats it like mud and just stomps on it. Has no value for it. 
Jesus was warning them about how easy it is to, to be indifferent to what is valuable. How often do we walk over the valuable to get to the, meaningly, the meaningless things in our life? We trample over what is so valuable and precious to get to things that absolutely mean nothing. How often do we ignore the eternal and focus on the temporal? So what are the pearls? I think the only way to consider this question is to consider what God said is most important. Matthew chapter 22, when they ask him the question, what's the great commandment? What do you think, Jesus? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. So what do we see? What is most valuable to God? A relationship to God and a relationship that helps others find God. I believe when Jesus spoke about the holy, he was talking about our relationship to God. But I believe when he was referring to pearls, he was referring to our relationship to others. How impacting is our life to others? How do we view others in our life? Because what really has eternal value? Does your bank account? Does your closet? Does your car? Does your home? No, we would all agree that's not important. But how often do we trample over the eternal souls of men to get to something that means nothing and will burn up at the end of time? Don't throw your pearls before the swine. These are, people are the most valuable because people have eternal consequences. How often then do things that should be considered most valuable become trampled under our feet? Things that should be valuable become thrown out like garbage. Things that should take priority become second, third, or last place in our life. Things that should get our attention never find their way into our passions of the day. We spend our time chasing meaningless motivations. We spend our money on selfish ambition. We spend and burn our energy on satisfying ourselves. We focus our attention on trivial trials. And Jesus said, the pig tramples the pearls. Why does the pig trample what is so valuable Because the pig is indifferent to the pearls. The pig has no time or passion for the pearls. Our flesh is indifferent to the things of God. Your natural state of being is indifferent to the things of God. Our flesh is apathetic towards the ways of God. Ever struggle to pray? ever struggle to give, ever struggle to forgive, ever struggle to worship, it's because pig has one objective, to eat. It's not concerned, I need my food. I want what I want. It's not concerned with the valuable. 
And so, not only is a pig indifferent, but the pig, after it tramples the pearls, it attacks. It is triggered by an insatiable desire for more. It wants more food. It wants something to satisfy its cravings. It wants something to dull the pain. The pig, the natural or the carnal nature attacks the spiritual man because it hates spiritual things. Spiritual things, pearls, don't seem to matter. And Paul said in Romans 8, 7, because the carnal mind, is enmity against God. I am challenging us today that we should be aware of the pig in all of our lives. Beware of your desires that put everything else as more important than the things of God. What gets your time? What gets your energy? What gets your focus? What gets your money? What gets your priority? The living, New Living Translation says in Romans 8, 7, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Your sinful nature hates the idea of you being spiritual. Your carnal man hates the idea of you being a holy, spiritual person. Your natural man does not like the idea of you surrendering your conduct to the word of God. It absolutely hates it. I said Wednesday night, I felt the Lord impress me with a statement to give to those at Growth University at the end. We need to let the word of God win in our life. You need to let this word actually win in your life. Your carnal nature hates the idea of you trying to live holy in your conduct. Your sinful nature will always oppose spiritual desire. In the parable of the sower, Jesus gives us a very clear picture of the intention of our flesh. He said, now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in doesn't just abide with the word. It seeks to choke out. That's some Violent plant language. Seeks to choke out the word. And it becomes everything the word was intended to become, it can't become. Because your carnal fleshly nature hates the things of God. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Your carnal nature is always going to get triggered against the things of God. 
Those who live according to the flesh, Paul said, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren and sistren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, we will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The word of the Lord is speaking today. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It may seem like it's a kind of worthless at times. It may seem like your walk with God is not accomplishing what it needs to accomplish. But I'm telling you, the glory here, the things we experience here cannot compare to the glory that we're going to realize in heaven. The suffering, the suffering that we might have here on this earth does not compare to the glory that he has prepared for us. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, uh, who can be against us? Uh, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Uh, shall tribulation or distress uh, or persecution or famine or nakedness uh, or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, hallelujah. We've got to walk in the spirit. We can't cast our pearls before the swine. We can't give what is holy to the dogs. 
I'm not just going to give up on my spiritual life just because I don't quite understand everything. Just because I don't quite like what the Word says. No, I'm not going to give what is holy to the dogs. I'm not going to give up on my relationship with God. And I'm not going to stop trying to find everyone who I know that needs the gospel. I don't want to cast my pearls before the swine. I don't want the swine to trample on the opportunity of people to find the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. There was a military force formed like no other army. An army built strong. An army built to last. This military power was formed to protect the emperor of China in the third century B.C. 8,000 soldiers, 130 chariots using 520 horses to pull the chariots and another 150 cavalry horses to protect one man. However, there is an interesting thing to consider about this army. It was an army that was built for the afterlife. It was made of stone. It's called the terracotta army. Built to protect the first Chinese emperor. As art, it is astounding. As a force, it is a fail. It is an empty force, as if one were literally fighting the wind. Over 700,000 people were used to create this army to fight the wind. Paul said of himself, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we, for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body, and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. When you allow your flesh to win, you can be triggered by anything. Someone doesn't say hi to you, triggered. Somebody cuts you off on the road, someone parks in your spot. You're not invited to somebody's party and you see it on social media first. Hmm. Mm Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, they did not do that. Your seat gets taken in church, triggered. You don't like the music at the worship service, triggered. You didn't get the special focus in the ministry, triggered. Preacher says something you don't quite like, triggered. Triggered. The pig attacks. While not everything in life should be a big deal, I want to conclude today by saying there are some things that should get the focus and energy in my life. There are some things that should make me lose sleep at night. One of the most famous stories of battle in the world, the children of Israel are in war against the Philistines. Battle lines have been drawn. 
A young man by the name of David comes down to the battle to bring supplies to his brothers who are entrenched on the side of a hill. And as he was talking to his brothers, the giant enemy of Israel, Goliath, comes out and rails against the army of Israel. David, standing there with his brothers, watches as the Israelites cower in fear. This fear created misperception by David's own brother Eliab. And instead of Eliab getting angry at Goliath for defying the army of God, Eliab was triggered by David. First Samuel 17, it says, Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. If you have come down to see the battle. Isn't it amazing when we allow spiritual insecurity to strike? To creep in, how easily we misread and misperceive other people's motives. Eliab was triggered by his own brother because he lost sight of the real battle. He should have been angry at Goliath. But David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Isn't there actually something that you should be mad about? Isn't there something you should be concerned about? And David comes to this conclusion. I'm not sure what you all are all triggered about. But Eliab, there is actually something pretty important going on here. And it deserves my attention. It deserves my focus and my energy and my effort. It deserves my passion. And I tell you today, your salvation deserves your passion. Your salvation deserves you losing sleep over. If you don't know if you're right with God, I'd focus on that. And I'm not saying that in a condescending way. I'm saying that to all of us. If you're not sure you're right with God, that deserves some attention. Can I tell us? And if we're right with God, we feel like we're in a good place with God. It only leads us to one place, to be in a good place with others, to be reaching for the souls of men. You should be passionate about the souls of your children. You should be passionate about the souls of your family. Salvation of your friends, your fellow students and co-workers. They deserve your attention. So thankful for what God is doing through Oxano. These young people that can be distracted by so many things that grab their attention, but yet they're doing these Bible study clubs in their school. Focusing their attention on things that matter at the end of the day. It's not to say... That we don't pursue a quality education. We don't pursue a quality job. We don't work on these things. But I'm telling you, it can't be your ultimate pursuit. 
What are you triggered about? What is driving your passions? If it's not God, you're casting your pearls before swine. Just not that passionate about God, preacher. Just don't really have much passion about church. Just kind of waiting for the passion to show up. I think that's the wrong approach. How do I find passion for God? I have to get hungry. How do you get hungry? You stop eating. I'll eat anything when I'm fasting. Anthony and Kristen, I might even eat broccoli if I get desperate enough. But we're so full on our flesh that passion for God doesn't have place. Stop gorging on fleshly desires. Turn it off. Let it go. Stop chasing foolish pursuits and submit to the word of God. You start obeying the word of God and dying out to your flesh, you'll find a passion for God real fast. Would you stand with me today? I have no doubt We wrestle with different things in our life. So easy, the flesh is relentless. But I don't want to take what's valuable, souls of men, and throw it to mindless pursuits. And so I'm going to invite you to come to the altar. I'm going to invite all of us to come. I don't want to trigger anybody today. But I, I want to challenge you to make prayer meetings a priority when we have prayer meetings here at the church. To make Growth University a priority in your life where you can hear the word of God. Because the flesh shall find a reason for you not to be around God's people. The flesh is more than willing to take care of your time. I encourage you to make being in a life group, being connected to people a priority. I encourage you to make tithing and offering for you who claim this is your church. Make that a priority in your life. Don't throw the pearls before the swine. And I believe that God is calling us into a very special season In these last few weeks, really almost a month now, the Lord has just been challenging us, just challenging us, not beating us up, but saying, man, we got to be ready. We got to be prepared for what God is doing. And I have extreme excitement for the year 2020, should the Lord tarry. I feel like the Lord has given me direction for that year. And I am believing that each one of us matter to what happens in the future. And so I say what Jesus said. 
Don't give what is holy to the dogs and don't cast your pearls before swine. I want to pray with you. Lord, we come to you today. God, we thank you for your presence that we feel and have felt. Lord, your word always challenges. Your word always has a way to get to areas of our life that maybe are difficult to get to. God, and I'm praying for those in this room today that there would be just a a peace and surrender. There would be, God, a desire in their heart to serve you like never before. And God, if there's anything in our life that is keeping your holiness from being lived out in our life, I pray, oh God, that we would surrender to your holiness and not throw what is holy to the dogs, to our flesh. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.